Well, welcome to Water of Life. We're glad that you're joining us for our Good Friday service. Worship's gonna start in a bit, but I have a couple of things for you guys before we begin. If you need prayer at any point during the service, we have pastors online who would love to pray for you. So make sure you join us over on our Facebook chat, on our live stream, or on our mobile app or our website where we'll have pastors available to pray with you at any point during the service. And if you're new here, we wanna say that we're glad that you're with us as well. If you can do this, grab your phone and text the word home church to 818-818 where we would love to connect and learn more about you. Well, we have a special Good Friday service plan for you guys, and Pastor Dan's gonna be walking us through a time of communion. So before we begin worship, make sure you grab some elements for communion. Maybe it's bread, some juice, some water, whatever it looks like as we begin our service. And after Pastor Dan's message, make sure you stay online as I'll be checking back in and giving you guys some important information. Well, other than that, we're going to begin worship, but if I could just encourage you and remind you of one thing before we begin, it's this, that Jesus, he loves you, that he sees you, that he paid the ultimate price for you. So would you be encouraged and reminded of that as we reflect and begin our Good Friday service? Amen. cross. It was meant to horrify the world. It was meant for humiliation. It was meant to last for days. It was meant for slow asphyxiation. It was meant to prolong torture. It was the Roman soldier's job. It was meant to be used by Caesar, but instead, it was used by God. It was meant to stop a movement, but instead, it became the way. It was meant to act on fear, but instead, it awakened faith. It was meant to be vicious and violent, but instead, it became our peace. It was meant to uproot hope, but instead, it became the seed. It was meant to punish captives, but instead, it unleashed freedom. It was meant to build up Rome, but instead, it built God's kingdom. It was meant to discourage rebels. It was meant to stop insurrection. It was meant to put down Jesus, but instead, it set up his resurrection. It was meant to jeer and mock him, but instead it was his glory. It was meant to erase a chapter, but instead it became the story. It was meant to hold up convicts, but instead it raised up a king. It was meant to shut our mouth, but instead it's why we sing. It was meant to be a judgment, but instead it became our mercy. It's why the song of heaven is the lamb. The lamb is worthy. It was meant to kill an enemy, crush dissenters and diversion, but instead it became the banner of God's love for every person. It was meant to be appalling, nailing hands and feet to wood. It was meant to be used for evil, but instead it was used for good. It was meant to be a symbol 
of God's assassination. But instead, it became the symbol of Jesus' invitation. Come to the cross. Instead of sin and stain, you are meant to be made clean. Instead of being forgotten, you are meant to know you're seen. Instead of being ashamed, you can leave behind your guilt. Instead of feeling empty, you were meant to be fulfilled. Instead of being broken, you are meant to be made whole. Here, Calvary is calling. It beckons you. Behold, come to the cross. Instead of being an accident, you have a purpose and a plan. Instead of being abandoned, you were chosen by his hand. For all who've said, I can't, God has said, I can. No matter what you've done, the invitation stands. Come to the cross. Instead of being doubtful, you are meant to know your father. You are meant to be his son, and you are meant to be his daughter. You were cherished from the start. You were always in the picture. Instead of being a victim, you were meant to be a victor. The result of Jesus' blood, salvation has arrived. Instead of being dead, you are meant to be alive. The cross, it was meant to signal death, but instead, it's a sign of living. It was meant to be the end, but instead, it's our beginning.
majesty Your grace has found me just as I am Empty-handed but alive in your hand Oh, majesty
My name is Joseph. I come from the Judean town of Arimathea. I was there on the night that the rabbi, the one named Jesus, was arrested and brought to trial. I am a member of the Sanhedrin Council and I heard the full account. He arrived in our world with an uncommon entrance. Born of a virgin, born in a manger. He was mostly a stranger to us until he was announced by John the Baptist, welcomed as the long-awaited Messiah. Now here, the one whom Moses and the prophets had been writing about for the last 4,000 years. He is not like other rabbis. He's made crippled men walk. He's made blind women see. He's made deaf children hear. He's made lepers clean. He has fed thousands of people on a hillside with only five loaves of bread and two fish. I don't understand this. But now, I've heard the full account of this man named Jesus. He's been teaching in our temples. He's dined with vagabonds and sinners. A woman washed his feet with her tears and he had the audacity to forgive her. His deeds are as exceptional as his words. When our friend Lazarus had died, Jesus went to his grave, told him to come out, and now I've seen Lazarus myself. I've seen him alive. What is the charge against this man? Healing on the Sabbath? What sacred scripture, what law has he broken? Where's the evidence? The offense? Shall we crucify a man with no sin? So I dissented from the decision, as did my friend Nicodemus. 
but the Sanhedrin took him to Pilate anyway. They tortured him, and then they murdered him on a cross. My name is Joseph of Arimathea, and none of it seemed right to me. So after he was dead, we took down his body and wrapped it in linens. Myself, Nicodemus, and some of the rabbi's disciples who were women. I refused to bury him like a criminal. He had no tomb, so I offered up my own. We took him to the garden, put him in a cave, and then we sealed it with a stone. And the entire time I wondered, and I feared the truth of everything this Jesus had claimed, that this was not just a man in a tomb. It was God in my grave. Why is Good Friday called Good Friday? Only one reason, the cross. The cross is a great mystery. Why aren't people so taken by it? You know, I climbed up the side of this hill out in the middle of the desert. There are three crosses up here, two large ones. It must have taken a huge amount of work for people to get up here. But you know, the cross is such a great mystery because it holds so much power, so much authority in this world and in the next one. The reality is Peter's first message in Acts chapter 2 was all built on one thing, the cross. And then he moves from the cross to communion because communion really is the cross. And we're going to take communion before we're done together today. So if you don't have any communion around, I want to encourage you to gather some up so we can take communion on this Good Friday. You know, Galatians 6.14, Paul said something that's very, very crucial for us. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, friends, the cross is all about forgiveness, the price that Jesus paid for us, the price that he paid for us to have relationship with him. So the question I really have for each of us today is, why don't we live more like we're forgiven people? Because the cross was really about forgiving us healing us and restoring us. Why don't more of us experience that love and that freedom? Many of us struggle with forgiveness, giving it and receiving it. But everything in the Bible pivots on forgiveness, friends. The Bible teaches that we're all lost, that he's come to touch us and heal us. This is called atonement. 
We incurred a debt and Jesus paid our debt with his life. If you got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, I wanna spend a few minutes with you in Isaiah chapter 53. Let me read the 12 verses in Isaiah 53 if I could. It says, whom has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men would hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray and each of us have turned to our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for this generation, his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living? The answer is nobody. For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. This so clearly describes the crucifixion of Jesus and the power of the cross. Now watch where it goes in verse 10. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and will divide the booty with the strong and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. You know, 12 times in these nine verses that we just read 12 verses, but, but 12 times in just nine verses, he said, he took our place. He took our place, he took our place, he took our place. Man, that is such an amazing thought that Christ went to the cross to take our, our, our place. Ephesians 1, 7 puts it this way. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Let me read that to you again. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In verse four of Isaiah 53, it says, surely our griefs he bore. Literally, it says our sicknesses he carried, our sorrows he supported. Now, friends, I know some of you are carrying a lot of sorrow right now. You're struggling with today, you're struggling with the journey. 
you're struggling with why would God allow this to happen, I want to tell you something about Jesus. He went to the cross for the moments we're facing right now. Verse 5 says he was pierced through for our transgressions. The Hebrew word, pesha, literally means our rebellion, our revolt, and our violation of the law. Our rebellious and deliberate breaking of his way. Friends, before I met Jesus, I was so rebellious, it was scary. And even after I've come to him, I have to deal with my rebellion all the time. It's part of my nature, and it's part of your nature. The sooner that I submit my, my rebellion to Jesus, the quicker he can heal it. It says in verse 5 that he was crushed for our iniquities. This is a crazy thought. Avon is the Hebrew word. It means he was crushed for my perversity and the depravity of my nature. My deep inward brokenness, my crookedness. Rebellion is part of that, but it, this then just goes to a whole nother level, much, much deeper. It's literally saying human sin is an act that vandalizes and infects and defiles the heart of God, the things of God. Human sin destroys the passion and, and all the love that God has for the world and the people in the world. Human sin is this whole picture that's rooted in Genesis chapter 3 of our rebellion against God that drives us away from him, drives us into darkness, drives us into places where some of you are living right now where you're so de just destroyed inside and broken that you say, how could I ever get free? The answer's right behind me, the cross. The cross came to set us all free. See, the reality is it is our sin that put Jesus on the cross, not people. I mean, I could read you the story of the cross, but the reality is the people didn't hang Jesus. My sin hung Jesus, your sin hung Jesus on that cross. Why should an innocent man like Jesus die such a terrible death on such a wicked thing like a cross? The death of the cross was the Romans' most perverted, darkest, and most wicked way to destroy a human life. And Jesus went to the cross for you and I. See, these verses that I'm gonna to read to you in just a minute, I'll explain why Jesus went to the cross. He took my place. It's those 12 times in those nine verses in Isaiah 53, summed up in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Literally, that Jesus came and took my, my sickness, my sin, my depravity, my wounds, and healed me. If I open up to him, friends, but you've got to open up to him. That's the whole plea of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, perfect man, perfect God, the one who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, what does that mean? That sounds pretty religious. It's like, wow, no, 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 no. It just means that you would be made right with God. Wouldn't it be awesome for some of you to be in right relationship with your creator? When you're so far off the mark right now and God wants to say, I have a way to restore you into my place, my destiny that I made for you. 
In verse six, back in Isaiah 53, it begins with this word all. Let me read it to you again. It says in verse six, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. That's how I ended up in death in this life, walking away from my creator, my father, the lover of my soul. But it says, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So at one moment, there's a fell swoop of condemnation. The next statement is salvation and possibility, friends, if you open up the Jesus. It's such a great picture. <clears throat> now, let me give you the heart of what I want to talk to you about today, because I don't know if there's a more powerful text in the Bible that deals with the forgiveness of God than the one I'm going to read to you right now. Just two small verses. It says in verse 10 and 11 of Isaiah 53, that the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. This is a huge key to your life and my life right here in verses 10 and verses 11. It says that God was pleased to crush him. That could only happen, friends, if there was something so dire, so deep, so dark that we couldn't see, a mystery we couldn't understand. Why would God be pleased to crush his only son? Here's the answer for you because he offered himself as a guilt offering to rescue you and rescue me. Because God, friends, is crazy about you. He, I tell you, he's nuts about people. And God is crazy about people. Or how else could he be pleased to crush his own son by such a dark and dastardly death like the cross? This word, guilt offering, holds a key to your life. The word is asham. The asham means guilt offering, or literally guilt. The guilt offering takes away the sin, but only if the offering becomes guilty. So the priests really believe they transferred their guilt to the animal before it was killed. The Bible says that Jesus became the asham for us, the guilt. He didn't just hang on a cross to pay the price. He literally became the guilt, friends. You gotta get your head around this. The guilt offering in Leviticus is called the asham. The same thing, Leviticus 5, verse 6 and 7, he shall also bring his guilt offering, the asham, to the Lord for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat, as a sin offering for the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin. Transferring his sin to the animal. Friends, when Jesus was on the cross, my sin and guilt was transferred to him. Your sin and guilt was transferred to him. This is so powerful that if you can get your heart to grip it, it'll change you forever. Leviticus is full of animal sacrifices. They're ugly. The whole thing is just bizarre and difficult. It graphically illustrates so how, how sin just drains the life out of human beings. That's a picture. The Bible teaches that Jesus didn't just die for you, friends, though. You gotta get this. He didn't just die for you. He took your guilt onto himself completely. He became guilt. He became my guilt and your guilt. That's such a crazy thought that Jesus became my guilt and your guilt when he was nailed on the cross. That's what makes Good Friday such a good day. If you can grip that and hold on to it. My guilt and your guilt was nailed to that cross. 
the same time of day as I'm sitting up here, late in the afternoon, sometime between noon and three or four o'clock, Jesus likely died around three o'clock, and probably by four to five o'clock, same time it is right now, they would have come and taken his body down before the Passover sacrifice and season festival started that evening. The body they took down, friends, off the cross died because of guilt. He took on, not this, we, we like to say this, the sin of the world. Yeah, that doesn't help me. He took my guilt. He took your guilt. He took your shame. He took your rebellion. And he put it on the cross. The things that I've done that have broken my heart and broken other people's hearts, friends, went on that cross. I don't have to live in the past, buried by my failures, my guilt, and my shame, because he died to take them off of me and off of you. But you've got to have the faith to believe that. And some of you don't. Some of you are sitting out there right now, you don't know Jesus, but Jesus knows you. He's crazy about you. He died and became your guilt, my guilt. Those of us who know him, I think you probably get this. But friends, when this clicked into my heart, the magnitude of it, I have never been the same. I don't have to carry my shame. I don't have to carry my guilt. Jesus literally took it off of me and became my past, present, and future guilt. The question is, do you have the faith to believe it? Faith is tough. Often it feels ambiguous. In the Old Testament, the word faith is a very interesting word. It's imuna. <clears throat> Imun, it comes from the root of the word immune, and it means something sure and solid and true. You gotta have faith for it to make a difference in you, friends. And faith is often tough. It feels so ambiguous to us. But in the Old Testament, the word faith is imuna. It comes from the root word immune which means sure or solid. I don't think there's one of us out here who isn't looking for something to grab a hold of to rest our faith in that sure or solid. But the most sure and solid thing about our faith is right behind me, the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection. He became my guilt to set me free. This is not just a thought, a good feeling, an emotion. This is a fact. Jesus said, I'm a rock, a strong, firm foundation. You can trust me. Put your faith in me because I am a firm and solid foundation. It was so solid that it was a sacrifice that changed the world. It was so sure and true that it can heal a life like mine and yours. Habakkuk 2.4 says this, but the righteous will live by faith. Hebrews 10.38 says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And Romans 1.17 says, but the righteous man shall live by faith. That word righteous in the Greek language in the New Testament is dikaios. Dikaios literally means to be in right relationship with someone, to be in right relationship. So when it says righteous, God is just trying to say, I'm crazy about you. I need healing with you. We don't need to be enemies. I don't want to fight with you. 
I want to put my arms around you, love you, heal you, restore you, and remove your guilt that I took on my son and when I put him on the cross. A righteous person, friends, lives by faith, has a strong and sure foundation built on the cross. Not a faith that says, am I good enough to get myself to heaven? Because you're never going to be good enough to get yourself to heaven and neither am I. But a faith that says, I believe Jesus became a guilt offering for me. Verse 11, verse 11, Isaiah 53, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Do you know when Jesus became my, my guilt, it just destroyed him. It broke his heart to save mine and to save yours. I don't know if there's a deeper love that could ever be manifested on the earth. I don't think there is. That's what makes Good Friday, friends, so good. The father knew that if he would crush his son as a guilt offering, all of us who believed in him would be set free. We don't have to live anymore in shame and guilt and regret. God says, I'll take all of that off of you. Give it to me today. Romans 5.19 says this, for just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man will many be made righteous. Jesus going on the cross, being crushed, crushed, crushed by my guilt. God was pleased to kill him. <laughs> wow, what a thought. God was pleased to kill his own son because he loves you that much. Please think about this. Some of your, your eternity rests in the balance. He was so pleased to crush his son with your guilt and my guilt. He didn't just take it, he became it. You don't have to live in shame anymore, friends. You can live in freedom. Jesus has put me in a right relationship with the Father because I believe that. All you have to do is open and believe the same thing. It has to be more than a head thought. It's got to be something you apply to your life every day. You open up in faith every moment and say, Father, I give myself to you. God, I, I trust you. I don't understand the mystery of the cross. How in the world? Could I ever understand it this side of heaven? I, I can't, but I get this. You were pleased to kill your son because you love this son. You love this daughter. You love this child. You love people created and made in your image. Some of you have never experienced that. It's such a solid and firm foundation to build your life on. I wanna to talk to you right now before we take communion together. Because some of you need to make a decision today about your destiny. See, the Bible says we ought to check ourselves out and examine ourselves. We ought to look deep inside. Some of you are carrying so much shame, so much guilt. And I want to ask you the most important question that a person could ever ask you. If you were go to just today, if you were to, to get up, go out the door to the market, <clears throat> be killed, God forbid, in a car accident. If you were to die today, and certainly death is on the minds of many people today because so many people in our country are dying from the virus. If you were to die today, friends, would you be at peace? Would you know, would you know, would you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ died to free you? 
I want to talk about your answer. I want to ask you, examine yourself. The Bible nowhere says that if you're good enough, you'll get to heaven. Some of you are thinking this, you know, I'm really a good person. It'll make it work for me. No, it's not going to work for you. Some of you inside might be saying, I love God. And no, 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 no. Have you surrendered your heart? Have you invited the Spirit of God to come inside of you and forgive you? Are you living in deep shame and regret every day? Or have you allowed Jesus to be crushed and become your guilt? You may think, you know, I don't get this, Pastor Dan. You don't have to understand it all, friends. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Friends, let me explain something to you. The firm foundation, the only solid way, the only way is right behind me, the cross. You know, your faith has got to go from your head to your heart. You got to release your will to your heavenly father. You got to say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. You know, there was a Jewish guy named Nicodemus. He came to Jesus. Um, and, and there's a story about him in John chapter three, came to Nicodemus and said, what do I have to do to Nicodemus? I'm sorry. came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to be born again? And this guy was a churchgoer guy. He went to the temple, read the Bible, the law, the prophets, the old Testament. He memorized it. He knew it. He was a leader in the church, but he, he was honest enough with himself to understand something. He had never given his guilt to the only one who could heal him. He came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do? And Jesus made this clear, concise, and very deep statement. You must be born again. You must be born again. Revelation 3.16, Jesus said, I'm going to come back. I know your deeds. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. See, Jesus knows everything about you and me, friend. He knows the darkness deep inside, the depravity, the things we spoke of before. He went to the cross to take my shame and my guilt. When Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, he said, how are you talking about going back into the womb with mama? No, 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 no born from the inside, that you would open up your heart, yield your will to your creator, invite your heavenly father to touch and change your life and your destiny, to take the guilt off of you and put it onto him. He was pleased to crush his son because he loves you that much. Jesus wants you all in, not halfway in. When it says he wishes you were either cold or hot, some of you, you've just straddled this fence for so long and you think, I, I, I think I'm saved. I got fire insurance. Mm, don't think like that, friends. That's a very dangerous thought. Jesus said, I am not okay that you are lukewarm. You need to be all in. You need to make a decision today. God's not going to force you. I obviously am not going to force you. But I'm going to invite you in just a moment to bow your head with me and open your heart to the king of the universe. That would really make this Friday a great Good Friday. Some of you are thinking, I'd have never prayed. And actually, I'm going to ask you to do something more than that. I'm going to ask you wherever you're at, your car, your home. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You're going to say, that is so weird. 
No, 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 it's actually not. It's a declaration between you and God that I give up. I surrender to you, Father. Some of you are thinking, there's no way. There's people around me and stuff. Let me explain something to you. Jesus said, if you deny me in front of men, I'll deny you in front of my Father. But if you honor me in front of people, I will honor you in front of my Father. I learned something a long time ago about God, friends. Humility is very important to him. I'm going to ask you right now to humble your heart, bow your head with me, and let me pray for you. If whatever I'm praying is anywhere close to what you're feeling, then I want you to pray that as well. Father God, I come to you today, and I surrender my heart to you. I don't understand all of this. I don't get everything that Pastor Dan was even talking about. But I'm positive of this. I don't want to live in my guilt and shame anymore. I've wrecked my life, hurt so many people. I need healing. And I need you to heal me. So today, Father, I yield to you. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to touch me. I open up my heart, my will to you. And I declare to you today, I surrender. I need you, God, like I've never needed you before. Take my guilt, Father, and put it on that cross today. I don't want to live in fear and shame and regret any longer. I want to know that I know that I know that if I died on this planet today, I would be in your presence immediately. Thank you, God, that you never took your eyes off of me. Thank you, Father, that you had such a deep love for me that you were pleased to crush your son. You were happy. I can't even fathom it. But you were happy because you loved me that much. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen and amen. Now, I want to tell you something. If you just prayed that prayer, I would like you to go to your phone, pick it up right now, and call 909-463-0103 and let one of our pastors pray with you personally. We'd like to get you a Bible and help you get started on a journey with Jesus Christ. It's a journey that will change your life, friends. The most exciting journey I've ever been on. And I've been on some wild and crazy journeys in my life. But none like the one I've had with Jesus Christ. Now the rest of you. I'd like to take communion with you. I want to thank you for enduring the wind up here. The obstacles that are here. But friends, that's a very small thing to endure. To open up to the grand scheme and plan that God had on Good Friday. He was pleased to turn his son into my guilt. 
my past guilt, my present guilt, and my future guilt. Communion, friends, is about the cross. So if you've got a cup and bread, I want you to take communion with me right now. Father, we come to you blessed and broken like the bread. Grateful, beyond belief, grateful that you would be pleased to crush your son for me, for us. You're an amazing God, so mysterious, so wild, so crazy, and so in love with people. Father, remind us, your son was broken and crushed for us. We take the bread to remember that. Grateful that we can be made whole because he was broken for each of us. Take and eat. Now, Father, we take the cup. We declare your greatness, O God. There is no God like you. The blood of the lamb takes away the sin of the world. So we open to you, Father. And we say right now, wash us clean, white as snow, Father, on this Good Friday. That as we move towards Easter, we'll be able to celebrate with a fresh zeal and passion. God, we want to come out the other side of this pandemic, very hurtful season, unlike any time we've ever known in our lifetime. We want to come out the other side, glorified people, God. We want to come out renewed, refreshed, and re-envision people for you, Father. But God, that can only happen if we'll give you our guilt by faith. So I want to encourage you, friends, whatever you've done, yield it to the Father right now. Could be anger, envy, jealousy, selfishness. Could be any number of things. Put it on the cross. Jesus became your guilt. Yield to him right now. and Let his blood wash you clean. Father, we thank you for the cup. We drink it now, blessing you and agreeing with you that your son is enough for each of us. Take and drink. Friends, thank you for staying in there with me. I know this isn't the cleanest video we'll ever shoot, but I pray it's one of the deepest ones that you'll ever hear. I don't think there's a more amazing verse in the Bible than verse 10, verse 11 of Isaiah 53. God was pleased to crush his son. I can't even get my head around it. I love it so much. Because see, if he was pleased to do that, he just is so crazy about you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. I just love that. I can't get over it. I don't ever want to get over it. He became a guilt offering for me, a guilt. He became my guilt, your guilt. If you prayed that prayer with me today, man, I'd love to hear from you. Call the office. If you're online, one of our platforms, tell the person. There's a pastor on that line in a chat room with you. 
tell him today I made a decision. I wasn't sure, I've gone to church, but I want to know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my King, my Messiah, and my Savior. That no matter what happened to me today, if I died today, I would be certain that I was in the presence of the greatness of my God. God bless you, friends. I'll see you in a couple of days on Easter morning. If Good Friday's good. I think sunrise is gonna be great. We're gonna do sunrise on the side of a hill, Lord willing as well, watching the sun come up together. I'm gonna miss you, and I wanna say that to you. In 30 years, 35 years ago, I walked up the hill at the end of Haven Avenue and changed my life. For the last 30 years, I've been gathering with people like you to celebrate Jesus' greatness. This year, we're gonna get up early in the morning. Even if I'm alone on the side of a hill, I'm gonna celebrate his greatness and I'm gonna believe that you're gonna celebrate it with me. God bless you. Have a great Good Friday. Salvation's road with fear and trembling, your way born as my own, as Christ is formed in me.
As far as heights reach from the depths, as far as east is from the west, so far your grace has carried me. Until I see you face to face, until at last I run my race, remind me I'm not finished yet. Well, what a powerful message by our very own Pastor Dan. We hope that you walked away feeling encouraged as we reflected on Good Friday together. And if that was you, if you made that personal decision to follow Jesus, we wanna say way to go. We're so proud of you as you made the most important decision of your life. But you're not alone in this. We wanna walk and partner with you. So if you can do this, grab your phone and text the word Jesus to 818-818 where we would love to connect and partner with you and give you resources and tools as you begin to discover what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you need prayer for any other reason, we still have pastors online who would love to pray, for, pray with you or you can call into our offices where we have pastors available to pray with you as well. Well, we might have reflected on Good Friday together, but that is just the beginning. Sunday is coming. That's right, Easter services are on its way and it's gonna kick off tomorrow with our Saturday night Easter service at 5 p.m. And following that, we also have a special sunrise service at 5.30 a.m. that we would love for you to join, as well as our Easter Sunday services following that. So if you need more information, if you wanna know more of the times, you can head on over to wallupdates.com where you can learn more about that. But other than that, we love you guys. We hope that you had a powerful experience as we reflected on Good Friday, and we'll see you guys for our Easter weekend services. We love you, God bless.